Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. The following podcast is a production of the Factual Data Creations Facility. Welcome to the OFNT Podcast, episode 181, which I'm calling Help a Fellow Out. As the title of this episode infers, I'm going to be asking you to help me, thus the podcast out. This and two other sections of the show will let you know how to do that. Uh, Don't worry, I'm not going to be begging for money, though you can donate to the podcast by using the link in the show notes. The first thing or things you can do to help me out is review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. The second thing you can do is tell your family, friends, and acquaintances to give the OFNT podcast a listen or, better yet, share the episode with them. Well, enough of this drivel. Let's start the show. Tech news. Well, it's official. Google will hold its annual Pixel event on October 4th in New York City. This from an article on Engadget.com. Google will be announcing their Pixel 8 series of phones and perhaps a version 2 of the company's Pixel Watch, which was introduced last year. There's no word on any other devices that may be announced, like an update of last year's Pixel tablet, for example. Well, I personally hope the big G is going to make an announcement that will reignite the Chromebook market as the next item will make apparent to you. Chromebooks were once a good deal for schools. Now they're becoming e-waste, reads the headline from the Wall Street Journal, which is still continued a reputable source of news, though that's becoming debatable lately. Chromebooks displaced Apple computers and tablets with a decayed to 12th grade educational market due to a much lower price and free software. Yeah, mostly because of that lower price. As a matter of fact, I reported in a recent episode that tech mavens were predicting that because of this lock on the school market, Apple would face fading popularity in the future. Well, I poo-pooed this prediction based on the quality and support of Apple devices. This Wall Street Journal article sort of backs up my opinion on this by claiming that the cost of buying a new Chromebook has saw a significant increase lately. Something I can attest to because... I recently considered purchasing a Chromebook instead of a new MacBook, figuring I could save some cash. The plan was to use iCloud.com to access the Apple apps I use, along with using the web version of Microsoft 365 for all my computing needs. Well, I found that a Chromebook with a good screen and a decent amount of RAM would cost me about the same as a base model MacBook Air, but the Air comes with the same or more storage space, and let's face it, Macs have much better build quality and longevity. Another problem with Chromebooks is that they have an expiration date with Google discontinuing support for 13 models this year and a whopping 51 models next year. 
Mac computers can still function without operating system updates, with Apple still providing security updates when needed. Once a Chromebook reaches its death date, it becomes useless and turns into e-waste. Another disadvantage of Chromebooks is the used market. While Mac computers have a much higher resale price, you know, no one wants to buy a used Chromebook. I guess the education market has learned that if a deal appears too good to be true, well, it is. TechRadar.com is reporting that Apple is killing support for older Touch Bar MacBooks and ponders if it signals the end of the Touch Bar equipped machines. Yes. The 2017 MacBook Pro with Touch Bar was added to Apple's vintage list, both 13 and 15 inch models. The Touch Bar was introduced in 2016 as Apple's answer to PCs equipped with touchscreens, but was never able to gain much support from app developers and users. Some users hated the Touch Bar and made their opinion known and made it known loudly. Well, I guess those folks are getting what they wish for. Though Apple still ships the M2-chipped 13-inch MacBook Pro with Touch Bar, this will probably be the last version equipped with it. I have a 2019 Touch Bar equipped 13-inch MacBook Pro, and I use the Touch Bar a lot while word processing. Will I miss not having a Touch Bar? No. Not really, but I never hated it. I figure I'll hang on to my current MacBook Pro with Touch Bar until next year. I haven't made up my mind if I will trade it in for another Pro or, I don't know, for something else. Digital Trends reports that the expected M3-equipped Mac computer releases this October most likely won't have a formal event announcing them. Instead, Apple will introduce the new models by press release only. While the article's author expressed disappointment at this, Using the rumored performance power increase these M3 chips will provide versus the current M2 chips as justifying an event, the hardware these new chips will power isn't supposed to see any significant update, so why incur the expense of an event? The Mac models slated to receive the M3 chips are the 13-inch MacBook Pro and Air and the 24-inch iMac. No mention of the 15-inch MacBook Air, though. Anyway, this information puts a hold on my planned purchases of a 15-inch Air and a 24-inch iMac. The iPad Pro line is rumored to be getting the M3 chip that enhanced displays, along with a refreshed Magic Keyboard sometime in 2024. For you social media mavens out there, and you know who you are, <laughs> X, formerly Twitter, will again allow political ads on the platform once again. Yeah and has hired safety and election teams ahead of the 2024 elections. Well, I read this as the return of censorship, but hey, that's just me. This story comes from CNN.com, and that makes three times this year I've used them as a source. That's got to be a record for this show. <laughs> as I've said in the past, I only use social media for posting stuff about my podcast and don't engage with it much beyond that. I find I feel much better for it, and I recommend you disengage with social media also. The Wall Street Journal has an article about Meta, formerly Facebook, taking down the largest communist Chinese influencer network in the world. The network was multi-platform and was aimed at advancing communist China's interests and discrediting its adversaries, including the United States. The network was comprised of thousands of accounts across more than 50 apps, of which 7,700 accounts resided on Meta's own Facebook app. The network has been linked to individuals associated with Chinese law enforcement. Now, if big tech could root out the propaganda directed towards U.S. citizens by their own government, I'd be even happier. Oh, wait. Big tech is the government. 
Huawei and Alibaba among companies seeking Chinese deepfake approvals is the headlines from Reuters or Reuters or however you pronounce it. China's cyberspace regulator has received 110, count them, 110 applications from Chinese technology companies for approvals related to the models that can be used to manipulate visual and audio data. What? Yeah, if you think those influence networks that were just taken down spewed dis and misinformation to the detriment of every perceived enemy of China, just imagine the havoc that will be created when deepfakes start being utilized in future influence operations. Some of these companies will use deepfakes for legitimate reasons, if there are any legitimate reasons to use such technology, while some will use it for nefarious reasons. And just think of what will happen when the communist intelligence agencies get their hands on the technology, if they haven't already. We're living in interesting times, and they're about to become even more interesting. And finally for tech news, NBC News reports that the FBI disrupted a cybercrime operation by wiping malicious programs from hundreds of thousands of computers. More than 700,000 computers worldwide were wiped of a botnet called QuackBot, described as a versatile tool available for rent by cybercriminals. The FBI took over QuackBot's central computer infrastructure after receiving a court warrant which granted them authority to do so. Once the FBI gained control of QuackBot's infrastructure, they instructed the network to wipe the malicious software from all infected computers, many of whose owners were unaware that their computers had been infected. Good job, guys. Keep on keeping on, as the cool kids say. Yes. Tech I'm using. My older ring cameras received an update recently, which enables easier pairing with your internet. Prior to this update, you had to shut off the 5 gigahertz part of your network just so the cameras could see the 2 gigahertz part of your network. At least that's what I had to do for the outdoor cameras. The indoor cameras wouldn't connect to my network no matter what I did, so I created an insecure guest network and ran them on that. The version 2 of the indoor cameras didn't have this problem and quickly found and joined my internet network. The update allowed me to do the same with my older indoor cameras, and now all my ring cameras are on my main secure network. This will allow me to get rid of the guest network that I always felt uneasy about having in the first place. Well, that incoming money I was expecting has finally arrived, but I have to hold off buying any new Apple computer devices because of the pending M3 chip upgrades as I mentioned earlier. This is too bad because I really, really need a new desktop. A new larger screen laptop with a better keyboard will be nice also. I've complained in the past that butterfly keyboards which equip my current MacBooks are fatiguing for my arthritis-stricken old fart fingers. The larger screen should be helpful in alleviating the strain on my failing old fart eyesight. The only other tech purchases I'm considering are a USB dock for when I do get the new iMac and an internet radio receiver. And I was shocked at the prices on these radios and... There will have to be a sale on Amazon before I would even consider buying one of these things. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Entertainment news. According to a report from Comscore, connected TV, read free ad-supported streaming services, are up some 21% per household. 
This data suggests that not only are consumers leaving traditional cable and satellite providers, but are also starting to leave paid streaming services with Freevi, Roku, Pluto, and Tubi, the big winners of this segment. And I'd wager the majority of the consumers using these free ad-supported television services are young folk just starting out in life, low-income households, and old farts such as myself, who are a bit tech-savvy. As I've said before, if I was just starting out, I'd be utilizing services such as these for my television consumption. I've also previously lamented not having these services and the internet that makes them possible when I was but a young lad back in ancient times. In general Hollyweird news, Disney's stock has fallen once again, causing the company to delay movie and television show releases, and this comes on the heels of its latest Disney Plus flop, the Star Wars universe's Ahsoka. This new flop features a mostly female cast, and the biggest knock on it seems to be no emotion from the actors. I think the producers think this is how a male character would act and applied this trait to female characters. Well, it just doesn't fit well with women characters, though. At least, that's my opinion. Anyway, the writers and actors strike is still raging with no end in sight. I'm looking forward to The Continental, which is a prequel series to the popular John Wick movies. The show debuts on September 22nd on the Peacock streaming service, and I hope it exceeds expectations, at least my expectations. Podcast News National Public Radio, better known as NPR, has canceled the localized version of the network's Consider This podcast. While I think it's a great idea to have localized versions of new shows, the cost of producing these as well as the national version has proven to be too expensive and labor-intensive to continue doing so for NPR. The last episodes of this localized podcast ended September 2nd. The now unemployed late-night talk show hosts have banded together to bring the world a podcast. A podcast no one has asked for. It's called Strike Force 5 and brings together late-night hosts Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Kimmel, Seth Meyers, John Oliver, what? and Jimmy Fallon. Now, I can't imagine why John Oliver is included in this bunch, as he is not a late-night talk host at all. Mr. Oliver hosts a weekly show on the Mac streaming service. Of the lineup, I find Jimmy Fallon the most entertaining, but just not entertaining enough for me to watch his program. The audience numbers for these types of shows have fallen off a cliff since 2016, which saw all of these hosts switch to politics and, besides being anti-Trump, which, let's face it, isn't hard to be, seem to be yet another mouthpiece for the current administration, thus alienating half of the potential audiences for these types of shows. That and they all seem to have forgotten how to be funny, or at least they're writers have. The podcast appears to be a Spotify exclusive and features video, but I must confess I haven't watched nor listened to any episodes of it. I haven't even attempted to search for it on any podcast players either. I did watch the teaser for the podcast on YouTube, and let's just say I wasn't impressed. Well, good luck with Strike Force 5, bros. Now here's the second request for you to help me out. I'm always trying to improve the sound of the OFNT podcast, and I'm constantly using new techniques, software, and microphones to do so. Instead of recording an entire episode using these techniques and then asking you how it sounded, I'm going to record four audio samples using different processing for each. I'll number them one through four and ask you to let me know which sample you thought sounded best. Once you arrive at your favorite, let me know your decision by emailing me at OFNTpodcast at gmail.com. I'd really appreciate it, and you'll be really helping me out. So, here we go. This is audio sample one. 
I'm using an Electro Voice RE320 microphone fed into a DBX channel strip and using a Motu audio interface. How does this sound to you? This is audio sample too. I'm using an Electro Voice RE320 microphone fed into a DBX channel strip and using a Motu audio interface. How does this sound to you? This is audio sample three. I'm using an Electro Voice RE320 microphone fed into a DBX channel strip and using a Motu audio interface. How does this sound to you? This is audio sample four. I'm using an Electro Voice RE320 microphone fed into a DBX channel strip and using a Motu audio interface. How does this sound to you? That concludes this test. Which one do you think sounds the best? Do me a solid and let me know at OFNTPodcast at gmail.com. There is no rant or story time this week. Instead, I'm going to ask you to help me out for the last time in this episode. Let me know which you prefer, the rant or the story. Also, I've been inspired by all the audio dramas I've been listening to lately, so I'm thinking of using this section as a kind of spoken word drama. I'm in the midst of writing a spy thriller novel and considering reading excerpts from it on a weekly basis. Would something like this interest you? Now, I can't afford to hire voice actors, nor do I have time to write separate scripts, at least at this time, so it will be just myself reading these excerpts. The subject of this story is a washed-up old fed named Harry Mingst, who's wallowing in his first year of retirement. Kind of alone and bored. He falls into a routine and tries to convince himself that he's enjoying life. Hey, does that sound sort of familiar? You know what they say, write what you know. <laughs> there are many literary spies slash private detectives named Harry already, but the character is partially based on my father, whose name was Harry, and in, I also borrowed my dear grandmother's maiden name, which was Mingst. I tried other first names, but none seemed to go good with Mingst. I should say semi-modern first names, at least. While Harry was serving in the military, he was recruited by a secret intelligence agency, so secret that most of its operatives don't even know the organization's true name. Harry was never a full-fledged member of this agency, only a sort of contractor for it. When they need him, they call and entice him with monetary rewards. I modeled this fictional intelligence agency after the supposedly defunct agency called The Pond. The pod was formed during World War II and at first was funded by the Pentagon. Eventually, the pond funded itself by working within international corporations and using them for cover. After the war, the pond was funded by the U.S. Department of State until losing out to the CIA, which, of course, went on to become the official external intelligence agency of this country. The pond allegedly shuttered its doors in the late 1950s, but many feel it survived longer than that and may even still exist today. So, does this sound like something you might be interested in listening to? So drop me an email and let me know. Please, you'll really be helping me out here. Well, the music is again playing on this holiday weekend. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it for you. If you like what you heard you can make a donation using the link in the show notes any and all donations will be greatly appreciated 
You can always reach me at OFNTPodcast at gmail.com if you're so inclined. I'd enjoy hearing from you. I really would. Remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Happy Labor Day if you celebrate it. So please finish your party and, and get off my lawn. I'm out. Stay skeptical, folks. See ya. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.